Hello. Hey, Ken. Is Shalom on too? Or? Yes. Yes, okay, I'm here. Cool. Yeah, because Tom was asking about that. Tom, Tom will do the intro once he gets on. I'll just edit this part out again like I did last time. Okay, cool. And I was able to make it work in the app. I like it a bit better. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I think Tom has the app also. Nice, yeah. I got to put a picture of me, so. <laughs> yeah, I see that. <laughs> You know, it'd be funny if I just left this shit in the actual episode just so that people could hear us chit-chatting and hear the bullshit that goes on before. (laughs) Make it more natural, behind the scenes. (laughs) Exactly. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cynical About Things, where we're sometimes cynical about things. Uh, I am your co-host, Tom, and with me as always is Henry. Hello. And with us as rapidly becoming always yeah, at this point Ken. <laughs> yes and shalom here and hello shalom. everyone i didn't know whether to intro shalom but yes <laughs> she is here as well <laughs> i can uh i'm always with ken in spirit so i guess it always works <laughs> okay perfect even if ken even if you're not here i'll just always enjoy you <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, and yeah, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about a movie that uh, I haven't seen yet again. <laughs> uh, Avatar, is it called Avatar 2 The Way of Water? Or is it no. just Avatar the, the Way of Water? Just Avatar The Way of Water, yeah. Okay, so it's Avatar The Way of Water. I have been, uh, in my my personal conversations with Henry, I've been calling it Avatu. I like that um, better. I so like <laughs> that is what I will be referring to it as, but feel free to use whatever title uh strikes your fancy but yeah we're going to be talking about avatar avatu the way of water um and with that said i don't really have an opinion on this movie because i didn't see it so uh henry how about you take it away are you cynical about avatu the way of water believe it or not no i'm not cynical about this movie and i'm somebody who didn't even like the first one and i actually went back (laughs) and watched the first one to make sure that i still don't like it and i still don't but i like this movie and i've already seen this movie twice and i still like it obviously it's not perfect it has a couple of plot holes it kind of collapses on itself a little bit by the end but the the characters are just so much better this time around The, the kids are way more interesting than the parents jake feels like an actual person this time making a dad making him a dad makes him a lot more interesting now funny enough the only character i didn't really like this time was natiri and she was the only character that i liked in the first movie so make yeah. of that what you will <laughs> so yeah from a character standpoint this movie in my opinion is miles above the first one so uh, i'm willing to forgive the few little plot holes it has here and there for that very reason so that that's my high level overview of it awesome how about uh how about ken and or shalom whoever wants to go first um ken is not cynical about um avatar book one water Uh, (laughs) (laughs) nice one nice (laughs) because um even though this term has been overused to some extent i do think it is a cinematic experience and just because of that it is something that i feel a lot of people will get something out of and to top it off i think the movie is a lot more heartfelt than the first one. Um, it is not perfect by any means, like Henry was saying, but um, you do feel something for it and you do have a great time overall. So not cynical. Yeah, I am also not cynical. I was expecting it to be kind of, I wasn't expecting a lot, but it was very 
well written and the characters felt very alive like henry said and um uh yeah i just really liked it i saw it once with uh the three of us went and then i saw it again in imax and that was just like kind of like a cool experience like the the cgi and the world that they've created just to like um like kind of like hang out in this like fantasy like utopia sort of thing um is really cool so it was not perfect but it was a really good like movie experience even though it was three hours long I was entertained the whole time which is hard to do um could they have made it shorter probably I would have appreciated (laughs) that But, but I will give them props for making it an entertaining three hours yeah, this is interesting because um, this reminds me of our The Batman conversation, which is also another three-hour movie, where I didn't see it coming into our episode about it. And then you three talked about it in very positive light, making me more interested in it. And then I went and saw it and was like, oh, wow, they were right. Like, that was a, that was a good movie. So now I'm becoming increasingly curious about seeing this movie for myself. Um, but I wanted to ask, how many kid characters are there? Uh, well, of Jake and Natiri, they have technically uh, five kids, but two of them are adopted. So okay. they have uh, two two sons, uh, Nateam and Loak, and then they have a little daughter named Took. And then they have Kiri, which is the character that Sigourney Weaver plays. She's like the immaculate conception of Sigourney Weaver's avatar body <laughs> from the first one. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it plays out pretty well in the movie itself. <laughs> and then they have uh, Spider, who's their adopted human son, sort of informally adopted, basically. Uh, but then there's also, in the Water Tribe, there's the new... <laughs> the, water, the Northern Water, the water Tribe? tribe. Yeah, <laughs> I actually think they do go north for... Don't, I, or no, maybe they go east? I forget what direction they went when they went to the water. But that'd be funny if they actually went north. Uh, <laughs> But um, uh, the what's the girl's name? Soraya. Yeah, that's the new like love interest character. Uh, which actually that brings up another point that I forgot to make earlier is that I think I mentioned this when you and I covered the first movie, Tom. That I was worried that this movie was just going to be a knockoff of the first one because all the trailers were making it look that way. They're making it look like that new girl Soraya was basically just going to be the new version of Natiri, and Loak was going to be basically just the new version of Jake. And really, the movie did not play out that way at all. Like, they actually, the kids all feel very different from their parents, and it doesn't really feel like a beat-for-beat remake of the first movie's plot. So I was surprised. The the marketing did not do this movie justice, in my opinion. But I guess it doesn't really matter because this movie made $1.7 billion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it doesn't sound like the marketing uh, mattered. The trailer, (laughs) it was a bad trailer for a good movie. Like, Mm -hmm. the when I watched the trailer, I was like, oh, it's just going to be, like, fighting for three hours. That's, like, I don't, like, that sounds terrible. And, like, the, and in the background of the trailer, they have him say something like, I know, wherever we go, this family is our fortress. But though it was, like, really in the back of the, of the themes of the trailer, but it was in the front of, it was the four, it was the, the main theme of the actual of the movie, movie. Yeah, was yeah. like the, like the family stuff. So, right. um, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because uh, when I when I watched the trailer again, as you guys just said, bad trailer sounds like it's for a good movie, but um, I like wasn't sure what to make of all of the different 
familial characters they were adding. Do they get like what what is the proportion of screen time that they get? It, it's pretty much an ensemble movie, so there's like no one clear protagonist. It's all okay. Like, they did not market that right at all. No, 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 they didn't. Yeah, and, yeah. and Shalom made a good point that like the whole that line, "This family is our fortress." When I heard it in the trailer, I also thought it was just going to be like some generic throwaway line, but it is literally the theme of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah really I think well I rolled done. my eyes when I heard that. Yeah, <laughs> it works in it works in context. It works in the movie. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think something that the trailer was focused on was just, well, the water. And so when I saw it, I just thought, like, <laughs> how many hours am I going to spend just looking at people swimming in the water? Yeah. And the answer was all of Act 2. Yeah, um, yeah. The <laughs> whole middle <laughs> section of the movie is basically just a Nacho documentary. It really, <laughs> but it works. It really is. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah they, they didn't. Uh, I thought that... Um, a, apparently, Immaculate Conception, Sigourney Weaver... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I thought she was going to be essentially the main character because, like, the the trailer focused a lot on her. I feel, yeah, maybe, she, yeah. It's really, I mean, if you really had to boil it down, I'd say the three main characters are Jake again, okay, uh, Kiri, like you said, and Loak. Those are like the yeah. main. That's yeah. basically the trio. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, but and then Kiri, they kind of give her a little bit more screen time, but. None of her questions her get answered. Journey, yeah, like her story thread is not like finished, which makes me interested for the second movie or the third movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah the, what is like the central conflict of the movie? Because, like, what you guys have been saying with the trailer, I just kind of thought it was going to be basically a repeat of the first one where it's just. Uh, corporation come, corporation try to blow stuff up. <laughs> Fight them. Yeah. At, a, at a high level, it is that. Well, they're not really trying to blow stuff up this time. They're, it's kind of stupid, but they're they're after some like magic whale brain juice that can make you live forever. I, I could have done without that part. Spoilers. I guess we are now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, what was I going to say? But well, there's that. That's like the overall government, like uh, the reason why the government is there. But like, uh, uh, what's the bad guy's name again? Quaritch. He gets like reincarnated as a Navi. Yeah, I remember like, that. Synthetically reincarnated him and his whole like military group. And their specific mission is to just go kill Jake because he's like the leader of like the Navi resistance or whatever it's supposed to be called i I think they call it like the resistance because when the humans come back they start terraforming parts of pandora again and the navi are trying to resist it so like the movie opens with the humans arriving again and then it jumps one year later and you see that like jake is basically leading a new military uh junta against the humans again okay yeah i was kind of curious about that because in the first movie it opens with just a human colony kind of like dominating Mm-hmm. And then they resist them, and then at the end, it's like the the Navi have kind of won. So I was wondering, it's like how is this conflict reintroduced? But it sounds like they just are like, "Hey, we're back." Basically, and then James Cameron's like, "And then they were back," and yeah. then the movie begins. <laughs> Basically, it was shot very well, though. It felt very like Empire Strikes Back the way it was like sequenced. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. I will say that um, it was interesting because when the movie starts and you see Jake kind of fighting the humans again, invading kind of like the jungle, um, you then go to like the water tribe area and you realize that the humans have been there for some time kind of harvesting this like 
whale ranges. Yeah, the, the military hasn't been there, but the like uh, whalers have. Yeah, like other human uh, organizations that were, are there. Like the, I guess they're basically whalers. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what they're called in the movie, but that's what they are. Yeah. Yeah, and so I found it interesting that like the Navi and the humans don't necessarily coexist, but they it's not like just like they're at war. They there are humans inhabiting the place and there are like the Navi inhabiting and it's not always fighting and it's not always friendly. They just kind of are there, which mm-hmm. was an interesting like differentiation from like the first act where we just see like the battle, almost a continuation of like the first movie. The first movie, yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. I think I remember in the episode that you and I did Henry about the first one. I said, like, I would have liked to see the the nature of the conflict be a little bit more complex. And it sounds like that's kind of an upgrade there. Yeah. It's not just, like, bad military man has gun. Yeah. Military yeah. man, come shoot you. It's like, <laughs> there's, like, different kinds of levels of the conflict. Yeah. Totally. And I think the one of the things I really liked about the first act of the movie was the way that they showed you what the humans have been up to because they and the fact that like spider is a human kid like the whole movie is about like how you like raise your your kids and like in a community sort of environment you would expect like your kids to always be around their friends and stuff and like spider is a human kid who is like inseparable from jake sully's own kids but he he will always be different from them um but he also like was like born and raised on this planet so you're now sort of it's no longer humans versus um i forget what their race is called navi Navi. it's no longer humans versus navi it's like messy now because it's there's a group of scientists that all that had always stayed back um to i think look after sigourney weaver's body and continue their research and stuff yeah 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 they were allowed um, and I think the whalers might have been there the whole time. Um, so, so like, it's like mess. It's like, it's not like, it's not the si- Yeah. It's like getting more, like people are getting more mixed up in each other's lives, which I thought was really cool because that's, that felt more realistic to me that that would start happening. Yeah. I mean, even Quaritch, the main bad guy, I hated him in the first movie because he was just generic bad guy, man. And in this movie, he felt more, uh, human. Which is yeah. ironic, considering that he's not a human in this one. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's kind of like the dad kind of makes it a bit more compelling. You add a little yeah. bit more dimension to him. Yeah, it's interesting too how um, the humans are are terraforming. And if I remember correctly, in the the first movie, like the humans couldn't breathe for very long. Yeah, and they still the can't. Yeah, they still can't. So like Spider is wearing like that mask like for most of the movie. Like that mask that the humans have to wear. They could kind of see through it. But, oh, okay. Yeah. But it, I think it's mentioned in the movie that like the military's long-term goal is to terraform the whole planet so that it is like breathable for humans. Okay, yeah. I was wondering if they were like creating like terraformed zones where like it was like they could like block in breathable air or whatever. Yeah, uh, not not yet at least, but the, okay. there, there's like giant robots building a city there, so I'm assuming that's like part of their long term plan, maybe. So, wait, um, one of you mentioned, or maybe all three of you mentioned, that there's a new love interest. What was her name? Soraya, I think. Soraya, but who, wait, who is she? The love interest for Loak. Oh, Loak. Okay. 
Okay. And, and I mean, she's from the she's from the Northern Water Tribe. Yeah, she's from the Turquoise people. But uh, <laughs> okay, Henry, that sounds a little. Cool. <laughs> <Prejudice>. <laughs> I think I think they informally call them reef people in the movie. Metkayina clan is their clan name, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But um what was I gonna say? Yeah, but like I said, that I thought that that love shit was gonna be annoying in this movie, but it actually worked well for me because it doesn't really take up too much of the movie. You could it's just the very beginnings of a romance between the two of them. Obviously it's gonna get built up more in the future ones, so yeah so like do you do you think that the movies going forward will be like increasingly about these kids and like less about jake suli so that's what i thought that's what i thought but just the other day actually cameron was being interviewed and he was asked that very same question and he said that he doesn't want it to be like a generic passing of the torch type of series like what you just described he wants the whole family to feel equal like the whole way through Mm. so like yeah, at least that's what he says he wants to do. So it's interesting that they did that because that he said that because Zoe Saldana's character kind of boiled down to like angry woman. She was yeah. a lot more compelling in the first movie, kind but wise and like almost quirky but brave. And in this one, she's just continuously angry and hissing. <laughs> yeah, people. her and Kate Winslet are hissing at each other the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. Kate Winslet's character. She plays Soraya's mom, so she plays like the the chief's wife. Oh the, my the gosh, the, Cameron's really going hard with the family themes here. He's even having like the in-laws get angry. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. yeah, Soraya yeah. Ha- has a brother who like gets all protective and almost becomes a bully to Loak and shit. Yeah, it's, the whole thing is family drama. The whole movie, so. <laughs> That's going to, you know, like make or break it for you, basically. You know, like if you're one of those people, not you specifically, Tom, but just anyone listening that like they're not into like family drama type stuff, then this movie probably wouldn't work for you. But if you are into that, then this movie will probably work in spades. That's interesting. So so do you do you think that the as as you all called it a, a, a bad trailer for a good movie? Do you think that the that Cameron was not confident in doing the family drama so he intentionally marked it as marketed it as he, avatar 09 but <laughs> he said he had he said he had no control over the marketing that was all disney he he said that he oh. wished the kids were in the marketing more and stuff yeah. like that yeah yeah i mean i probably would have gone seen it this sounds way more interesting like this sounds infinitely more interesting yeah I was going to mention earlier when we brought up Kate Winslet, the you know she plays the the mom who's also the wife of the the water tribe leader. The water tribe leader guy, played by Cliff Curtis, he's like really nice the whole time. As soon as Jake and his family show up, he's like, "Yeah, you guys could come crash at our place. It's cool. It's cool." And then Kate Winslet's like, "I don't like you people." And then by the end of the, by the end of the movie, they don't change. He's Cliff Curtis is still like, "Yeah, you're one of us now, man." And Kate Winslet's like, "I still don't like you people." <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they also don't say. Or tell you for sure how long they were there, like training how to be, because they land and they're the water people are like, you'll never be able to like learn our ways. Life here is hard, and you have to like help us like survive and stuff. Um, and then they spend the next hour like playing in the water. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. And, um, 
and then like but you don't really know how long like was it six months yeah that's a good point the timeline is not very clear there's a montage in the yeah yeah gotta love montages yeah yeah and i was sorry go ahead no that was all i was gonna say um i was telling henry and shalom that um it was also interesting because so the water tribe people are are differently built right they they have tails that are more like used for like swimming built uh, different yeah yeah they, they are mm-hmm. built different. <laughs> and, and so they're like yeah part of the reason why they say like they'll never adapt it's not just because they didn't grow up like that it's because they're physically different but they're able to adapt pretty quickly and i was also thinking um if they just want to get away from like the humans the military i understand the idea of like going farther and farther away but why not just join the tribe of other navi that are like tree navi instead of water navi yeah uh, and they would have an easier time adapting and contributing more to that tribe yeah, I, I, I wasn't s- quite sure why it had to be water right because we did see in the first movie that there were plenty of other uh forest navi and one of them even was like a clan of forest navi that lived right by the ocean anyways <laughs> so yeah i i don't know was, the I movie think, just needed an excuse to have turquoise people in it. Yeah, I think Jake was just like, guys, we should just go to the beach. We should just move. <laughs> I want to go to Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was basically Space Hawaii was where they went. <laughs> it did feel like that because the whole thing of we have to run away and escape and start a new life here where uh, where like the the military is never going to find me. And then they do find him, and he yeah. stays there anyways, even though yeah. it doesn't make any sense. As soon as they found him, he should have gone back to the forest where he had the advantage, and he knew the like the lay of the land and everything. Like I was just like, why are you still endangering the lives of these people who took you in by just hanging out? I don't know. It didn't make sense, but it was visually nice to look at yes. yeah i think my takeaway from that was that the reason they left the forest in the first place was because they were worried about their own clan getting hurt so i guess jake's logic was that if they go back to the forest it would just bring the conflict back to their own clan i guess yeah I don't know. but in the that first in the first act they were already endangering their own clan by consistently fighting the military so that is true yeah so i mean jake's logic yeah i mean Ultimately, they wanted there to be water, and so they yeah. had to find a way to get us yeah, there. Yeah, you do have to stretch your imagination a little bit to enjoy this movie. It's true. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was going to ask why when when you started talking about um, like moving to this tribe and not moving to that tribe, and what I was going to wait. Why did he move in the first place? But it sounds like it's because the scary military people come back. Yeah, basically. Well, that and also Quaritch specifically comes back. And kidnaps Spider, and you know, uh, and hurts like the other kids. So that kind of like gave uh, Jake an extra push to want to leave. Oh, okay. Jeez, that sounds pretty scary. The Mm -hmm. kids get kidnapped a whole bunch of times. Yes, (laughs) that is true. One of them even uh, Took even acknowledges acknowledges it by the end of the movie. She's like, "Oh my god, I'm getting kidnapped again." (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> kidnapping as a plot device. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it literally was like we need to move the situation to this island or this ship, so we're gonna kidnap a kid, and bring them yeah. in, and then the next twenty minutes of the movie can be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the kids do some stupid shit and get themselves kidnapped like three or four times throughout the movie. It is true. 
at one point when I watched it the second time, I really noticed it that like they they have this like cool little like intercom thing that they can talk to their dad at any time if they're yeah, in trouble. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And it was cool. And then at one point they they get in tr- in trouble with like the their the people are like coming and they're like oh they're they're over there we're about to get kidnapped and they like tell their dad he's like get out of there as soon as possible do not engage and do not stay there and he's like okay and he says okay but then they do engage and they do stay there <laughs> <laughs> and they get kidnapped <laughs> so I, I don't know it's like but at the on the one hand I was like they did the opposite of what they said they were going to do but on the other hand I was like they are kids though so. yeah I think that was kind of yeah. the point yeah. yeah it was like teenagers being dumb teenagers <laughs> yeah yeah what is the age range on them so I think Kiri's supposed to be they're supposed to be like around 14 15 uh well Tuke is like eight or nine and then the rest of them are like around 14 15 but they feel older to me they feel like 16 17. I agree the, with that. But the movie says they're like 14, 15. So, I don't know. Okay. Make it that way you will. Yeah. Are Pandora years the same as human years? <laughs> that is a good question. It's probably yeah. safe to assume that they are, unless if James Cameron explicitly comes out and is like, no, I've actually written 12 books about this. Yeah. <laughs> Supposedly, he has like 800 pages of world building notes. Oh, I'm or... sure he does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, uh, I guess, kind of, I mean, I'm sure we'll loop back to the movie itself later, but I wanted to ask, where do each of you think, like, it's going in the third movie? Like, where do you think they're taking it from here? Because it sounds like the second movie is, like, kind of drastically different than the first. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Kiri is definitely some kind of Jedi messiah. She, it's, she, it's kind of implied that she's basically Awa incarnate. And she could like control literally the whole planet if she wanted to. So that's going to be something. Um, uh, Loak is bonding with a whale. He has like this little free willy subplot going on. So <laughs> I guess he's going to be like the leader of the whales. And the whales are like sentient in this movie. Like they actually like understand language and like have intelligence and shit. Uh, so that's something. And then. Um, uh, oh, well, Spider. I guess this is getting into. Do you care about spoilers, Tom? Even if you end up seeing this or not? Oh no, not at all. I mean, I'm probably going to go see the movie no matter what, so I don't really care. Gotcha. Well, in the end, uh, Quaritch is being left for dead, and Spider is Quaritch's son, actually. So yeah, that even more family shit. Yeah, yeah, this is like turning into like a soap opera now. Exactly. (laughs) And Spider has the he hates him, but he has the option to either like leave him for dead or save him. And at the very last minute, he chooses to save him. And then he he separates from him. He goes back to the you know Jake's family. But the fact that he left Quaritch alive, I think that's going to factor into you know the next one because uh, uh, Quaritch and Natiri have like a vendetta against each other because Quaritch is pissed at Natiri for killing his human body, and Natiri is pissed at Quaritch for something big that happens in this movie that I can't spoil. But I will say that when it happened, it did actually move me emotionally. Uh, and you probably noticed that I haven't mentioned the other son, Nateum, and that might give you a clue as to what I'm alluding to. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those oh, no. are kind of like the threads going on. And the whole kind of like moral of the movie, like at the end, is Jake realizing that like running away from your problems doesn't solve them. So instead of like running away again, they decide to stay with the water tribe because it's like they're going to stand their ground now. So like when the humans come back yet again, 
they're not going to run away again. They're going to actually like try to put up a fight. And that's kind of like how the movie ends. So those are like the threads going into the third one. Does that kind of make sense, Tom? Like, does that paint a picture? Yeah, it sounds like you expect the third movie to be way more of like a direct sequel to this than this is necessarily like a direct sequel to the first one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Though, what I'm confused about is that Cameron says that the third movie is going to be about them going to a volcano place and meeting Fire Navi, who are evil, which, like, he's just ripping off the other Avatar on purpose at this point. (laughs) And not only that, but, like, Shalom made this point the other day that, like, the whole plot of this movie is, like, learning how running away from your problems doesn't solve them and, like, you have to stand your ground. But then in the next movie, they're just going to go to another place again. So, wait. No, it all makes sense. When he was with the tree people, he learned how to, like, jump between trees and fly. And now he learned how to swim. And now he's going to the volcano to learn how to shoot fire. He's becoming the Avatar. (laughs) (laughs) Just master all four elements. (laughs) Is this movie, like, is James Cameron inspired by the, like, does he... Does he does he know or is he, <laughs> he it's not related? I don't know. I don't know. I know that he came up with the name Avatar first because he w- he had been talking about the first Avatar movie since 1997, but he had he was taking way too long to make it. So then Nickelodeon beat him to the punch, and I'm pretty sure he's aware of it. And I think at this point he's just ripping them off out of spite because they <laughs> took his title. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, but. I feel like the third movie, like even though there's all these plot threads uh, going on, it'll still be mostly like human suck kind of thing. Like, of course, there's like the good humans and trying to like you know uh, make it a bit more nuanced, but it's still like the military's coming, gotta fight again. Yeah, I think <laughs> in the end that'll always be the overall goal. But like, it, they do seem to be getting a little more layered with it because, like, like I said, Quaritch was at least a little bit sympathetic in this film, and that might continue to be expanded upon in the next one especially after like his own son saved him and everything like that. And, um, you know, like uh, things like that. Oh, not only that, but apparently they did say that the fifth movie might be about Neytiri going to earth and like meeting all the other humans on earth and realizing that humanity in general is not that bad. I don't know why they spoiled that, but apparently they said that's what the (laughs) fifth movie will be about, which is just the plot of Pocahontas too. (laughs) A few years ago, nostalgia critic made fun of how, you know, the first movie was just Pocahontas, so then the next movie will be Pocahontas too, and now they're actually doing that. So, yeah. I, yeah, go ahead. To answer your question about where you think it's going, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to take the because first the first two movies have all basically been about how humans can't help but destroy like whatever planet they live on, and it's just like it's just our nature like we're just gonna end up killing earth and there's nothing that anyone can do about it um i i wouldn't i would enjoy it if they took the opportunity to kind of do something different with that than what we've already seen in other movies and media like maybe they figure out how to save earth and that's how they solve this conflict by the end of this like series of movies I think that would be interesting and it's something that hasn't been done before. Um, that is like my wish for this series of movies, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that would be pretty neat because yeah, in the in the first movie they they're like 
we choked the life out of Earth, and now we're gonna choke the life out of Pandora <laughs> like, yeah. because we're the good guys. Uh, and yeah, that would be pretty neat if, like, somehow, what is her name? Awa is the goddess. Yeah, that'd be neat if somehow, like, they transplant Awa and she like fix fixes Earth or something. Mm. Oh, that because isn't cool. she like a isn't she like a plant goddess that's like connected to the entire planet? Yeah, yeah. Or, hair nerves or something yeah um so yeah that'd be kind of cool if they like with uh what's her name kiri is that her name yeah uh because she's supposed to be awa incarnate they just like put her on a shuttle and she's like i'm gonna go transplant the goddess and then i don't know if she becomes a giant tree or something uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I'm sure that if James Cameron ever hears this, he's like, he'll probably be like, "How did he know?" No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I do like that idea though of them like fixing Earth, and I feel like I think Henry, you told me that one of the movies is supposed to be that they like start tripping and go inside a was like neural network or something. That, um, so that, that would kind of make sense. That's they, a like, rumor. Find, yeah, find the secret to curing Earth through Awa's brain or something. Yeah. Uh, I don't I know. Was... It, it sounds like they went kind of like a more, like, not a conventional route, because it wasn't just a repeat of the first one, but it sounds like they kind of, like, leaned into more classic storytelling elements. With like... yeah, I, I would say so. This definitely felt like a very old-school Hollywood blockbuster in a good way. Yeah, so it's it'd be kind of interesting if they, like, change up the pace again and go, like, trippy... Experimental, go inside Awa's brain to find the cure to climate change or whatever. Yeah, the salute like movie that would be really freaky. Yeah. but yeah, I don't know. It sounds it sounds pretty interesting. Uh, what were you gonna say, Ken? Uh, I was just gonna say another thing that like direction that it could go, but it probably wouldn't. Would be like, what if Earth was already actually doomed? Like, it's not even just trying to save it. Like, it's inevitable. And then they actually bring not just the military to Pandora, but all humans. And so now the Navi have to kind of gauge the decision. Like, we have to stop them from taking over. But at the same time, many of these people are innocent and they have nowhere to go. How can we, like, coexist? Because then we might be forced to. I think they did mention in this movie that that is the long-term goal. Like, once they terraform Pandora, the goal is to move, like, all of humanity over to Pandora. Right, but but I mean, like, what if, like, the whatever's causing like all the issues like it happens immediately and you have to do it within the timeline of this movie mm. you know what i mean like not just long term but like the immediate the characters we know have to address that yeah yeah and then what if what yeah. if all the humans come to pandora and then the navi are like oh this sucks they're ruining the planet and they leave and go to a new <laughs> planet and then there's people who live there and are like these freaking navi are ruining our planet by moving here and then it's just a cycle yeah. and then eventually the earth heals because nobody's been living there and somebody moves back to the earth yeah and everybody's happy then well cameron did say in that in-depth interview he did the other day i don't know why he's like spoiling like all the future sequels but whatever that um aside from that return to earth thing that Neytiri is going to do the, for the most part, the rest of the series will just stay on Pandora, but it'll be like all about exploring like different biomes in Pandora, like the polar ice caps and the desert and shit like that. Um, and I remember like a while back, they were saying that they were going to explore other moons in the Pandora solar system, but it sounds like that plot line got dropped. So I, I think that's probably wise. I think there's already a lot going on and yeah. i think to explore other moons they would probably be like oh now we have to do four hour movies <laughs> i'm not, I'm not pretty exhausted yeah, yeah i agree <laughs> yeah 
the yeah, trailer. It sounds like they're they're doing a good job with like building up. I see. I was wondering if they were going to like immediately run out of character stuff to do, and then just have to start like relying heavily on kind of exactly what you're talking about just now there's unobtainium on the moon and now the <laughs> sun is a giant resource that the military wants to harvest or something like and just increasingly go to like world building stuff rather than character stuff but it sounds like they successfully avoided that yeah trip. yeah i would say so hmm. at least for now and hopefully they don't fuck it up but they're on the right track right now i would say yeah yeah so do you expect that, like, Jake Sully will, I think I kind of already asked this, but, like, do you expect he'll be remain a main character all throughout these movies, or, like... That's what they seem to be implying. Interesting, huh? Yeah, I know, I was surprised by that, too. But in a way, I kind of like it, because I was thinking about this just the other day. I think I'm kind of getting tired of, like, the passing of the torch crap. It, it doesn't really work as well as it's supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In, like, it, other stories, yeah. It leaves a lot of room for things to is it passing the torch or is it dropping the ball <laughs> yeah 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 that's a good saying yeah <laughs> i kind of hope that like the, the whatever the final movie is is just like jake Sully with like a <laughs> the really long gray beard <laughs> he just has, like, <laughs> five generations of grandkids yeah. zoe saldana did back. say that she the actress who plays natiri she said that natiri and jake are going to grow old together in these movies so oh, that's yeah. cool yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the, by the by, by the final movie, it's like a seven-hour movie, and like, it's like, it's like his great grandkids are getting kidnapped, and his like great 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 grandkids are getting kidnapped, and he keeps on calling them on the PA, like, "Don't do this," and they're like, "Okay," and then they do it, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, I've been putting up with this for decades." <laughs> yeah, I do wonder how long these are gonna last, though, because like. As in, how many movies are they going to make? Because this one surprisingly ended up making way more money than it was expected to. So I guess Pandora is here to stay. And Cameron said he's already coming up with loose ideas for six and seven, Ava six and Ava seven. (laughs) (laughs) We're in it for the long run, I guess. Yeah, there's that video game coming out eventually. Yeah, and they're yeah, yeah, they're they're starting to really expand on it. And there's even a graphic novel that just came out that kind of fills in some of the gaps between the first and second movies. It's it's really weird because both Avatar franchises were really popular in the 2000s, but they came and went real fast. Then they were both basically dormant for like a decade, and now they're both coming back and doing like a zillion different things all at once. Yeah, yeah that's pretty weird. Yeah. I and guess, neither uh, of them are ever going to change their names. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah they're, they're like, they're probably because one of them heard that the other was coming back and they're like, well, I guess I have to come back. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. <laughs> because they can't be the true avatar. I have to be the true avatar. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- I, this kind of brings up an interesting topic because Henry and I have been talking about how there's like kind of a bit of a meme of like avatar as in James Cameron's avatar uh, is like financially successful but hasn't like quote unquote left a cultural impact but I'm kind of curious especially from Ken and Shalom like do you do you see the avatar world the blue people avatar world turning into like not necessarily a Star Wars because that's a ridiculous standard to be held to but like do you see it turning into something like big with like an expanded sort of universe and 
all of these different media properties and whatnot? Yeah, I think they they just have to be really careful with the next movie. The next movie has to be good. If the next movie is good, then yes. If the next movie like it is directionless or leaves the audience confused, then like they have they have a lot of room to go down. <laughs> um and they need they are going to need to do a really good job of making sure that like it stays interesting, it stays engaging, it stays like that the audience I think basically what I'm trying to say is that in the next movie I as an audience member want to have a better idea of where this whole thing is going because it's been cool in the first two movies just like hanging out in Pandora but like by the end of the third movie I want to be like okay this is what these movies are about right now I'm not actually sure that I know what they're about so that's yeah that's how I feel yeah, and as, as for me, I feel like Pandora, I'm a bit cynical because I do think it's here to stay as what the movies have been so far, which is like visual feasts. And like, you know, I, I think everyone would appreciate like all of the water scenes here. And if there's like a lava part of the world, like people will appreciate like the fire effects and they do that with sand. And it all looks beautiful. But when I think of it as like Pandora as a world, like, even if they're able to make a bunch of spin-offs and different movies, I personally don't feel too invested in the world itself because it does have the lore, right? Like the like way back there was this goddess and like and then they do have the the world itself is varied and beautiful. But something that makes it very different from let's say Westeros from Game of Thrones is that I don't feel like there's the all that history where there's like multiple different factions that like have history of interactions and rivalries and families that know each other and so that almost like human part where like i'm interested in the interactions between like uh tribes uh beyond just like uh humans versus like navi um i feel like i haven't fully felt it and so i'm not completely invested in the world of pandora enjoying the visual spectacle the nagio aspect of it yeah, I agree with everything that both of you just said. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I see exactly what you're saying is like the it the first movie is kind of um it was kind of like the the test, I guess, test the markets of like can I make this entire uh you know, cgi movie and people will like it and the answer was yes so then now this movie is like the okay can i turn what i tested in the first movie into like an actual legit story with like emotional arcs and like a a wider cast not just like your generic hero's journey thing and it sounds like the answer was yes but now like shalom said this third movie is kind of like the the make or break test of like can this thing turn into a franchise with its own sort of like spirit and themes to it. Um, And then with what Ken said, comparing it to the non blue people avatar, (laughs) the non blue people avatar is kind of like immediately a world that lends itself to, it doesn't necessarily like explain a lot of the history in avatar, the last airbender itself, but it's clear that there is a lot of history. Yeah. And it's clear that at any moment they could just go, and a hundred years before Aang, this happened. Right, and two hundred right. years before that, this happened. And fifty years before that, this happened. And like, there's kind of infinite expansion material. Yeah. 
Um, which is funny because they're just making Ang and Zuka stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it, uh, it, 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 I agree with you that like from what I remember with the first movie, yeah, there, it's it's too bare bones of yeah. like there's your native people and they're being oppressed by uh, the invaders, the military invaders. And then this guy comes and is like, no, the natives are pretty cool. And then betrays the military and defeats them and kicks them out. But it's like, well, but like, it sounds like 300 years ago, it was just these people living in this forest. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. So, yeah, I, I see the lack of like kind of expansion material. Like mm-hmm. once you run out of Jake Sully's story, where do you go? And the answer is probably nowhere, but. <laughs> yeah, which to be fair might not necessarily be a bad thing either. Yep, because totally agree. I I was just ranting about this on my blog the other day that like too many things are overstaying their welcome and sticking around for too long because of that like too much spinoffy stuff, too many prequels, too much passing the torch, and it might be beneficial to just have a franchise where you just have your protagonist. You may have additional secondary protagonists, but you have like your one clear protagonist, and like when they die, the story is just over. Like, you know, just that's it yeah it's almost actually reminding me of like okay let's assume that let's assume that shalom's ideal world comes true and the third movie is great and then we get what four and five abba five <laughs> and yeah. let's, say, let's assume that james cameron is a humble man for once in his life <laughs> he ends at abba five credits roll on abba five and we're we have the complete story of jake Sully and natiri and we're all good it kind of feels like it would meet that would maybe make it succeed at where I would kind of say that the MCU is sort of struggling now is it feels like the MCU kind of ended with cap and Iron Man. Exactly. And it's yeah. sort of like having an identity crisis since right. then. And even if there are like individual good movies that have come out or individual good like shows or episodes or like moments since then, it doesn't have that cohesive feeling and that like coherent feeling. Yeah. So it would be nice if James Cameron just goes like, this was the story of Jake Sully. And remember back when he was a human? I don't. Yeah. And then <laughs> it's, all, <laughs> and it's all, it all is over. That would be pretty cool because yeah, like you said, Henry, too many things overstaying their welcome. Yep. I, I certainly think so. E- even yeah. something, go ahead. Uh, it would just be nice to have like a, a story that begins and ends and has been planned. The whole thing has been planned out ahead of time, as opposed to where like the MCU is just kind of weaving itself along still. Yeah. You either die a good story or you live long enough to become a bad one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. That's like the perfect thing. <laughs> Yeah, so I think like in, it really begins and ends with who your protagonist is, who your main main protagonist is, you know. Because then it's like when you start doing spinoffs and torch passing and stuff, it's just all bets are off, you know. And like, yeah, sure, every once in a while you might get something that is good, like a House of the Dragon or whatever. But for every House of the Dragon, you get a Phantom Menace or you get a, I don't know, you get an X Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, it would also be interesting to see. I feel like the family dynamics playing out from like I don't know it's really fascinating like playing out from like Jake meets Natiri to they have and adopt kids to like they grow old together and presumably 
at least some of their kids grow up and maybe those kids have kids like it would be really fascinating to see somebody actually try to commit to telling like the story of a family that like mostly gets through it and kind of like grows together like maybe there i guess maybe there are like some deaths in the family or something but like mostly gets through it and tells a complete story about them and then is just like and that's that because it feels like so many times it's like and now Luke Skywalker's son is going to go blow up the eighth Death Star. Yeah, yeah. And like he's gonna be exactly like his father, and he's gonna have a kid who blows up the 14th Death Star. Like, right. and it's just like, okay, I, I, I think this is getting kind of ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think it's just like there is this tendency in like storytelling where like parents are an inconvenience to the plot. Where they're just like, well, then we have to like explore the family dynamics and have the family be supportive and get through this. And many times they just end up killing like parents. But yeah, I do agree. I think that like if you commit to like continuously having the family dynamic maybe change and see how they grow together and not just expect a couple of them to die, like you can get something really special. Like keep having the family history and dynamic carry the movie. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like the it's like the orphan syndrome of main protagonists. It's like every single main protagonist ever. It's like, oh, what does his dad do? His dad died. Right, oh, right. what is what does his mom do? His mom never existed. It's like, yeah. it's like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And so, yeah, it would be cool to see a story where it's like, oh, what happened to his dad? Let me guess, he died. No, he's still here. Oh. <laughs> Where's his mom? Right next to him. Okay. Oh, uh, what what are they doing? Living? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be kind of cool. Cameron, James Cameron, could completely defy our expectations. It would be refreshing. Yeah. You do get to see Jake uh, and Terry fight together a lot. There's one part towards the end where they basically take out like a whole army by themselves. And it's really yeah, cool. that was cool. Yeah. Oh, that is pretty cool. Um, that's an interesting question it's like what what would you say is like the proportion of action in this movie because i remember shalom said she was worried it was going to be three hours of action but like what is what would you estimate is the actual like quote-unquote runtime of action it's the whole first hour the whole first act is lots of action then the whole middle hour so the whole second act is just nachio wild and then (laughs) the whole third hour so the whole final act is just action again oh okay so it's still a lot of action yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess all those kidnappings have to happen. So yeah. 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 <laughs> but okay. even I was fine with it because they, it felt like a battle that, like it felt like a, uh, it, it wasn't just like oh like guns like let's just make it as loud as possible and like I even saw it in IMAX and I was okay with it being in IMAX even though IMAX is ridiculously loud already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah because I was still interested in the story through all the action stuff. Um, and I don't want to spoil my favorite part of the, um, of the final battle, but I'll just say that like Henry's free willy thing is so true. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I think I know what part you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah, I, I thought that even like for someone like me that is not like always that interested in the action part, I, I was still interested in it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know how recently uh, you, Ken and Shalom, I don't know how recently you watched the first movie. Like, did you rewatch it coming into this or no? 
I have not. Last time I watched it was when it was when it was released, which was when again? Two thousand nine. Nine. Wow. So many, many years ago. Yeah. <laughs> that okay. Was, that was when I was fourteen. So that's literally half of my lifetime ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, same. Yeah. Um. Okay. So in the first movie, there's like a lot of. I think it's like maybe a little bit more interspersed than it's like first hour this second hour this third hour this but it's like there's a lot of like action sequence quiet nat geo thing action sequence quiet look at james cameron's brain droppings action sequence to like kind of alternates like that um i guess henry since you watched it more recently would you say like are all of the are all of the techniques like did he get like better at doing the action stuff and the Nat Geo stuff, did he get better at one and like stay the same at the other? Like, or is it just I, kind of the same stuff, but in higher fidelity? No, I would say he got better at both. The, the action in this movie is a lot more, and I didn't hate the action in the first one, actually, to be fair. Like I thought some things in that final battle sequence were clever in that first one, but here it's a lot more interesting because you could tell Cameron has a huge passion for the ocean and for water and stuff like that. So he's like, constantly thinking about what's a cool way to do water here what's a cool way to do water there and there's like a point in this movie where they basically just do titanic again and like uh, an entire ship capsizes on itself and it's really interesting and also like has a lot of tension to it because the ocean can be really fucking scary when you're on its bad side (laughs) so i would say i enjoyed the action a lot more in this one and uh even though like i said it wasn't terrible in the first one either and uh as far as like the nat geo kind of stuff um Yeah, I guess I would say I enjoyed it a lot more in this one, too, just because ocean stuff by default just is a lot more interesting. I I mean, I I don't really know how to explain it, but like, obviously, there's all kinds of cool little creatures and things like that and big creatures, too. But like, there's even like a point in the movie where like just a regular looking squid swims by. And it's a reminder of like how even here on our own planet, we have things in the ocean that are very alien as is that you don't even need to change them to make them look alien. They just already are very alien ish. So I don't know. Things like that I thought were cool and like made me feel more connected to this movie as opposed to the first one. Okay, cool. Yeah. The, the reason that I asked is like, I remember when I was rewatching the first one, it felt like the, the both sequences were like, good you know because they obviously technically they were pretty awesome yeah i like when the flowers pop in the first like when yeah there's, like, exactly. flowers. yeah shit like that and the fluorescent forest you know right and yeah. uh, but i guess i would like almost describe them as like kind of like by the numbers like the action uh-huh. is very like what you would expect and then like if you told me to imagine a movie that's like showing off alien nature it's like a lot of panning shots and a lot of like close-ups and and it's like okay yeah yeah, this is exactly what i would expect whereas i noticed from the trailer it seemed like there was like a lot more i guess inventive scenarios and cinematography so yeah i was curious if that actually played out on screen and it sounds like it it did i would say so yeah now to be fair i have i still need to watch this movie in like 2d like when it comes out on home video at some point uh, as in like on Disney plus, because I've, you know, I think we've only ever seen it in 3d and the 3d really helps with the immersion for like the Nat Geo type sequences and stuff like that. So I, I really don't know how it's going to look in 2d. Hopefully I still like it just as much as I did, but you know, I have to wait and see. 
Yeah, and I really have to commend the 3D because I haven't seen 3D in many, many years. Um, I always kind of found like the glasses to be a bit annoying. And for most movies, I found it that 3D wasn't that effective. Yeah. But in this movie, they played a lot with it and it definitely did help with immersion. It definitely did surprise you when like they would have like someone point their bow and arrow closer to the screen and you would feel like it was actually coming at you. All those little things like it really did add to the experience. Yeah, I agree. Oh, so yeah. you guys all saw this in 3D? Yeah. With those yeah. goofy little glasses? Yeah. yeah. I still have mine. I kept mine as a souvenir. <laughs> actually, yeah, yeah, I have them right here. I just found them. And actually, aside from that, my other big memory from going to the theaters to see this was that uh, when we were getting popcorn, I saw Ken put Parmesan on his popcorn, and I had never <laughs> done that before, so I tried it too. And it was really good. I will always get Parmesan on my popcorn from now on, or Parmesan, as Rick and Morty calls it. (laughs) I will get Parmesan on my popcorn. (laughs) Everyone that I've talked to who has seen Avatar has seen it in 3D. I think it's actually hard to find not in 3D. Yeah, well, when I bought our tickets, I wanted to get it in 2D just because it's cheaper and, like, it wouldn't let me do it. I had to get them in 3D. (laughs) Fucking James Cameron forced me to get it in 3D (laughs) with the high frame rate and shit. Oh yeah, that's another thing. This movie's like in a high frame rate, so it's not in the normal 24 frames per second like most movies. It's in like 50 or 60 frames per second, so it looks like uh, a video game or like it looks like sports because sports are usually shot at that kind of frame rate too. So that takes a little bit of getting used to, but once your eyes get used to it, it's not that bad. Oh yeah, that sometimes like freaks me out. Like sometimes I'll see um, uh, like the 60 frames per second versions of the Avengers movies and stuff, and I'll be like, why is Tony Stark moving like that? stop <laughs> like he like looks so it's like why is he he looks alien i don't know but i guess yeah i'll uh maybe i'll be able to find it in 2d and i'll be able to tell you yeah like, i think there i think i had heard there are very few there are a handful of not only 2d screenings but also regular like 24 frames per second screenings of this movie out there somewhere like spread across the country you just have to like re- look really hard to find them and i i, I really wonder what the home video release is going to be like when it is on Disney plus in a few months from now, is it going to be in 60 frames per second or 24 frames? Are they going to like, let you choose? Is there going to be like a frame configuration setting? Like all these <laughs> things kind of puzzle my brain. Can your internet internet handle the 60 frames per second? <laughs> <laughs> um, I personally, so that's been a long debate. The whole 24, 30, 60 frames per second. Um, I, I think the action scenes were 48 frames per second, but I'm not, Quite oh, sure. you might be right. Yeah, I will that would be say twenty-four. Yeah, yeah, I will say that like for like regular scenes of like people interacting with people, those twenty-four frames per second like make you feel a bit more invested in it because I yeah. think they explained the science one time. Like your brain notices that frames are missing, so you kind of fill it up with your mind, and so it's kind of more like a fantasy that you're living through versus like higher frame rate. It's too close to real life. Yeah, but the advantage of like action scenes in that higher frame rate is that there's much less motion blur and like all the movements are a lot more fluid. Yeah, uh, and I understand that doesn't always work for movies, but for the amount of action and camera movement that there was, I appreciated that because I am very uh, not sensitive to like motion blur, but I notice it very easily like in video games, and so I always turn that off and like I boost the frame rates if uh, it allows it. And I just have a better experience seeing movements and kind of like not being disoriented by them. That's fair. Yeah, I grew up with, I I didn't really play video games growing up, but I watched a ton of movies. So I think my brain is like wired up differently from yours in that sense. 
Gotcha, I've yeah. never yeah. played video. Ken introduced me to video games. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, so I like I tried. I'm left-handed, so I was like trying to learn video games. Like on with like a, the first game I ever played was Uncharted, where you have to control the camera, and my right hand just did not could do that like very well so the camera would be like looking on the opposite part of the room from where i was trying to walk uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. i tried to switch the stakes but i didn't, couldn't find the settings so then i kind of went to the disability settings <laughs> <laughs> speaking of uncharted are you cynical about tom holland's uncharted? <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh, i think actually a lot of old video games are in 30 frames per second because of hardware limitations of the Correct. consoles. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So, sense. like, I, it's funny because I, whenever I play video games now, it's like generally 60 frames per second. But every now and then I'll find a game that's like, like, I'll play an old game and it's like 30 frames per second. I'm like, why is this so weird? And I'm like, oh, right, <laughs> it's 30. But then I'll watch a movie that's in 24 and I'm like, this is perfectly natural. And then I'll watch <laughs> a movie in 60 and I'll be like, why are they so weird? Like, I don't know. My brain is just uh, frame rates. I, I don't think my brain understands them. It's just, it's just movie slow, video game fast. <laughs> yeah. The the sixty frames versus twenty four. That's like more than double. Does that is it harder for them to animate at sixty frames per second? It's I would assume lot, so. Yeah. So basically, you have a bunch of computers all at the same time trying to um, create the CGI. So you're saying like a dragon is moving its tail, and the more lighting effects you add, the more particle effects, the more realistic you try to make it, the more the hardware has to like work. So you're basically putting a bunch of computers creating images, and then for one second you make you create 24 frames. If you make right. it 60, all of a sudden your computers need to work for a lot longer, and it is just more expensive as well. Will we get Avatar 3 faster if they just give, make it 24 frames per second? Oh, I know, I mean, right? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I just think it would be cheaper, probably. Maybe. Yeah. But you guys know that Will Smith movie where he fights a clone of himself uh, from a few years ago, uh, Gemini Man? Yeah. That movie is shot in 120 frames per second. Wait, what? Oh my yeah. <laughs> I don't Most know why, TVs, but it is. <laughs> a lot of TVs can't even handle 120. Like, you wouldn't even be able to watch it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which is probably why it bombed. <laughs> <laughs> watch Will Smith slap Chris Rock in 120 frames <laughs> per second. <laughs> Imagine if they remake a, so they make a sequel to Gemini Man and it has Will Smith in it. It's rock. It's rock. Oh boy! The oh. the movies that that slap just in slow motion. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I guess um, with Avatar, I made the joke in our review of the first one that I was like, "He's gonna he's gonna become obsessed with fire cinematography." And he's gonna go to a volcano. For oh fuck! One. I think I remember that. Yeah, oh, I shit. literally made that joke in our, in our one. <laughs> and then Henry, after this movie came out, he was like, "There's a rumor going around that the third one's gonna be in a volcano." I'm like, <laughs> "I'm pretty sure I am James Cameron." <laughs> he has so your brain I'm bugged. Sure that anything I say is what's going to happen in this <laughs> franchise. So I'm going on record. I'm I'm saying they transplant a water Earth. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me to be honest. Yeah, and they have to fight the firebenders to do it. <laughs> the, the the firebenders are are the only Pandorans with rocket ships. 
and they use the <laughs> volcanoes to power the rockets and they go to earth and transplant awa that's that's that my that's my goal sounds, that all sounds so possible for this franchise yeah. i feel like if that ends up happening you should like sue for intellectual rights <laughs> <laughs> well we could use this recording as our yeah. evidence yeah. so we're covered somehow we like proved through ip tracking that he was listening to this <laughs> <laughs> he's taking notes he's like this guy yeah. he's writing my plots for me <laughs> yeah i mean i have to say that you have all successfully made me interested in seeing this movie which is the second time that you've done that uh because the first time was with the batman and also i guess the inverse you successfully made me confirm that i was not interested in watching thor 4 <laughs> so, <laughs> don't forget about everything everywhere all at once yeah because ken and shalom wa- recommended everything uh everywhere all at once and i went and watched it i think like the day of or maybe the next day and i loved it nice. so, uh, I, nice. I finally got around to it too and i also really liked it a lot yeah Dale, so you you are be- rapidly becoming my go-to movie recommender. <laughs> yes. yes. My sister tried to... The, my sister is the only one that I've talked to about everything ever all at once who didn't, like, absolutely love it. And I was like, oh, what didn't you like about it? And she was like, oh, well, I watched it on the airplane. And I'm like, yeah, but you, you got to watch it, like, with headphones and, like, your own TV or something. Like, yeah, you got to really pay attention. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, 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 like, one that you, I, I feel like it's its own, like, experience. Like, yeah. if you're trying to, like, not, like, fall asleep or something, it's not a good movie for that. But, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I started watching it, I was, like, I had something. It was, like, on my, like, second monitor. I was like doing something else while I was like starting up and like immediately like three minutes in, I was like, okay, no, I need to focus on this. like this yeah. isn't gonna work. And I like shut everything down and I was like, all right, I'm watching this movie. And that was definitely the right choice. Mind travel. Oh, I need to listen to this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Like I was it was like the beginning with all the setup like in the laundromat. I was like, okay, this is just pretty typical stuff for the far. I don't need mm. to be paying attention to this. And then as soon as like the new the, the alternate new I'm like, oh no, okay. We were shutting this down. We're we're focusing. Yeah. So but that was a that was a great recommendation. And um I guess I saw Top Gun after you all did. Um that wasn't I, that before no it was after i don't remember uh <laughs> I, I i feel like i saw it after you guys but you might regardless, be right, yeah. i like that movie and you all like that movie yeah yeah um, yeah it's my so, favorite movie from 2022 me too yeah i've gotten yeah. to that point now where it's also my favorite because i watched it again over the holidays and yeah i would say that now uh maverick is also my favorite movie of 2022 yeah but yeah, I was actually, I'd wanted to bring this up. 2022 had some damn good movies, man. All these movies that we've been mentioning, including this one that we're reviewing now. And I think it's because a lot of these were supposed to come out either in 2020 or in 2021, but they all got delayed because of a certain pandemic. So it kind of created a bottleneck and then they all finally spilled out in 2022. It's kind of like concerts. 2022 was a great year for concerts. It was. It was. And, and rock albums too and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. you go back and you look at everything from 2020 and 2021, and it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I've been like, something of, I, so there was something in Ava 2 that was bothering me. <laughs> and I feel like I just have, like, just now, like, put together a fan theory about what it might be if we have time for it. Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
so it was bothering me like at one point towards the very beginning of the movie they're just like showing you around like where they where they live and spider the human friend the kiri because i can't breathe your air but you could breathe my air and she was like oh that is annoying for you and that just bothered me because i felt like there was supposed to be symbolism there um because it was so like specific but i couldn't figure out what the symbolism was um but i wonder if it's connected to because when they move to the water tribe they have to learn how to breathe uh, not breathe underwater, but like breath becomes like a whole thing because yeah, like hold their breath for long periods of time and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if that was like setting you up for like Kiri is like um, she's like home in the forest and she like is confident there, but then uh, and she's like even teasing somebody, somebody who's like, oh, I can't breathe your air, but then she goes somewhere and they all go somewhere where like now they can't breathe. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I didn't even pick up on that, but but Kiri, to be fair, picks up on everything a lot quicker than the rest of them because she's Jedi Awa chosen. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. That is true. She Would, does yeah, she does learn everything like instantly. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of breath, like they spend like so many like precious minutes of the movie explaining, like, yeah, you gotta train, you gotta like, you know, slow your breath. And then you find out that you could just cheat and kind of get a jellyfish that you can put in the yeah, back. Yeah, there's your, these magic head. jellyfish that if you put them on your back, they make you breathe underwater. And I remember in the theater, Ken actually said out loud, why didn't they just start with that? <laughs> that would be very helpful. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the water tribe people, they they hold them off until you prove yourself. <laughs> I think it probably was some shit like that, to be honest with you. And at least that might have been the attention. That being said, I heard that the actors actually had to learn to hold their breath for real, and Kate Winslet was able to hold her breath for like seven minutes and 15 <laughs> seconds straight. Oh, wow. That lady is very talented. She was she did uh, Mayor of Easttown, um, and that show, it was just a TV show. It took place in uh, Delaware County, but she spent like a ridiculous amount of time learning the Delaware County, Pennsylvania-specific accent. And she did such a good job at it that it, like, yeah. we, Ken and I used to live in Delaware County. And, like, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is so realistic. Like, I'm, yeah. She, yeah, she's really good. She actually, yeah. she was also in uh, the Steve Jobs movie, the, the one with Michael Fassbender, which was the better one. <laughs> and she <laughs> plays uh, Jobs as, like, assistant lady. And in real life, that woman has a very um, atypical accent because she's, like grew up in all these different cultures like she lived a few years in france a few years in sweden da, 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 da. so it's like she has a, a mixed accent and kate winslet had to learn that accent and she was able to like learn it perfectly wow yeah so kate winslet's cool but uh also sigourney weaver i think heard was able to hold her breath for like five or six minutes which is uh pretty good for like a 70 something year old woman who and by the way she did a great job playing a teenager in this movie i was really convinced by it i i was surprised yes yeah 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 I was I didn't realize that it was Sigourney Weaver until afterwards when Henry told me and I was right. like no <laughs> I thought that it was a teenage actor pretending to be a little bit like Sigourney Weaver because she her mom is played by Sigourney Weaver and Henry right. was like no that's Sigourney Weaver I was like that's wild I couldn't believe it yeah the only thing that concerns me though is that it's implied that there may or may not be a little bit of like a a future romance thing going on between her and spider. I don't know if you guys got that from it, but I kind of caught that vibe. 
And Wait, if that really? does end up happening, I, I have so many questions about that. Because one, they're two different species. <laughs> two, they're, they're step-siblings. And three, um, she's played by a 70-year-old woman. <laughs> so I, I hope my, my suspicions there are incorrect and that I was just reading into things that aren't actually there. <laughs> Wait, what, may, what makes you say that, Henry? Because, I mean, let me be clear here. James Cameron is insane. But that is, <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> so what makes you say that? I, I don't know. She, well, it's she just seems to be the one out of all of them, the one who's like closest to him. Maybe it wasn't intended to be a romance thing. Maybe it's just intended to imply that like because she's Awa, she like sees all life as equal or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I see what you mean, though. Like, yeah, they were closer. Hopefully not romantic. Uh, but I guess then... If it was, they're just like, it's okay, man. We'll just transfer your soul to a new <laughs> Navi body. We've done it before. We'll do it again. <laughs> I kind of do see it. I guess their characters were only supposed to be like 13 and 14 or something. So maybe yeah. they didn't want to like, like show it too, obviously. But I, I could definitely see like, because they were the ones that like, of the people that Spider hung out with, she was the one that was like teasing him and like, interacting with him the most so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and again saying, go ahead uh, i was just gonna say i kept calling spider throughout the movie uh justin bieber just because i <laughs> <laughs> there was a period of time where he had like red Lux as well and he was blonde like is, is that justin bieber i had to like wait, 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 wait a second i thought he was one of the sprouse twins yeah <laughs> <I was> wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay well let's just make this clear if James Cameron is listening to this to steal my volcano rocket plot uh, with translating <laughs> Awa, do not steal Henry's plot of making of making them uh, romantic interests. Don't steal that part. <laughs> yes, <laughs> please, please do else. not steal that, Jim. We won't sue you, <laughs> but we will if you take that plot. Okay, good. We got that out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jimbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds... I don't know. It, it, I... Um, it sounds like a it sounds like a cool. Uh, uh, it sounds nothing like what I was expecting, which I guess is, I guess is a good thing because I was expecting not some like something not good. Yeah, I was I was expecting to go into this movie fucking hating it and being on this podcast <laughs> being like I hate water and I'm only going to drink Mountain Dew from now on like <laughs> idiocracy. <laughs> you were going to say Tom? Mountain Dew. <laughs> you but sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say like. Uh, it sounds like they they focused a lot on. It sounds like they pulled off something pretty impressive, which is they added a bunch of characters, and those characters have like good, convincing relationships and good performances and whatnot. It's like really hard to add like even one character, let alone five or whatever, and yeah. actually like pull it off. So it, it's pretty impressive that they they managed to do it. I would yeah. not have expected it from James Cameron of all people. I- he probably got a lot of criticism after the first movie of it being like too derivative and pocahontas and stuff and like really took it to heart and like overcorrected with this movie. I feel like he must have had really good co-writers. Or Oh, that's another thing I forgot to mention is that, yeah, up until now, all of his other movies that he's ever written, including the first Avatar, he wrote himself. 
and this was his first time working with other writers. That must have also uh, made a difference. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of people listed on the screenplay and like story. Yeah. Yeah. He worked with like three or four different people on not only this movie, but like the, the future ones as well. Like after the first film, he basically set up a writer's workshop with like four or five other writers and gave them like his 800 pages of notes that I was mentioning earlier. and was like, turn these into movie scripts. And then they did that. <laughs> No they had to take his insane notes that he clearly <laughs> wrote in a stream of conscious of on one night on cocaine <laughs> and turn it into something coherent. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And that, that does show some humility on his part. Like he's probably thinking like, I'm getting older now. I can't write all this shit on my own anymore. Let me work with other people. Like the guy, the Rick and Morty guy kind of recently did something similar. So, yeah. Yeah. It's cool that he, um, like, I always like, uh, you know, seeing the creative vision of these, like, specific people who are very creative people. Mm. But it is nice that he kind of, like, gave up a little bit of the reins before he was basically, like, forced to. Look at yeah. you, George Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and, yeah, it's typically, it turns out better if you do it voluntarily than if you're borderline forced to. Yeah. So, yes. yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But I will say, though, when James Cameron was younger and in his prime and doing, like, everything on his own, the writing, the directing, even, like, the editing and the production design, because he was also, like, an artist and stuff like that, he was a badass at it. Like, he, <laughs> like, Aliens and the first two Terminator movies and stuff, he basically did everything on his own and he, like, knocked it out of the park. But he was a lot younger back then and probably just, like, had a lot more fire in his gut, so... Very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse you, Henry. You said back when he was in his prime. His prime is Avatar the Way of Water. <laughs> He's in his prime right now. <laughs> but no, yeah, no, no, it is really cool. He's yeah. listening to this right now and saying, damn right I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I'm just like kissing up to him. So he takes no, but he, no plot. But but no, no, no. He, he does seem smart. Even if he seems a little douchey sometimes, he does. Like a lot of what he was saying about like torch passing is overrated. I don't want to do that. And so stuff like that encourages me. Like it makes me a little more confident in uh, yeah. what he's going to do in the future. Yeah. And to be fair, also, um, uh, regardless of when exactly was his prime, I also feel like sometimes you can be really good at something. And, he, and even then, like sometimes you have lighting in a bottle where like you can do it a couple times, but it's not just pure skill. It's just like the circumstances and chance made it so that it was yeah, great. Yeah. And yeah. you can't always reproduce it. Right. Even right. if it was your work. Right. Yeah, that's totally true. I also yeah, it's cool. That, oh, go ahead. It's great that he was able to do all those things on his own, but I think that it's our art is collaborative, like like ninety nine point nine percent of the time, and most of the time it makes it better if it's collaborative. So if he's embracing that, it's that's good. Yeah. 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 Totally. It's it's uh it sounds like it sounds like he's also uh, with like the defying the passing of the torch thing. And whatnot. It sounds like he's also kind of like he has the potential to create something kind of like special and unique um, out of this, which is neat that like this late in his career, he's at least on the verge of kind of like pulling that off. Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of um, a lot of these people who are dominant creatives at some era, they kind of produce a lot and then fall off or like produce a lot and then maybe kind of start like relying too much on repeating their yeah. existing shtick or whatever. But it sounds like he's 
not only innovating for like himself, but it sounds like we were discussing so few people. I mean, like when's the last time a protagonist had parents? Like it's like, exactly the, it sounds like he's like not only innovating for himself relative to his own career, but he's innovating or, or at least defying the norm uh, with like general storytelling guidelines yeah. which is really cool i mean the, the you guys in his late 60s and he's like right he's doing this stuff i think he's already in his early 70s pretty i sure. think he's 68 okay. but i could be wrong uh yep 68 oh okay so yeah it's like that's that's cool to see that he's this late in his career and he's doing pretty inventive stuff yeah kudos to him yes yeah Please steal my volcano plant. (laughs) (laughs) Just so that I can tell everybody that you did. (laughs) If we ever get a sand movie, like a desert movie, then like we'll just be comparing it to Dune. He'll be like, let me see how Dune does it. And then like I'll learn from that. Oh (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And with Dune potentially becoming its own franchise now, if the like if this next Dune movie is successful and then they keep making more, that'll just draw even more comparisons. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I forgot about Dune. <laughs> Talk about things that don't need to be extended. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're also making a Dune TV show right now, so that'll be running alongside the movies. Wait, well, they're also it... making a Dune theme park and a Dune novel and a Dune album <laughs> and, a, and a Dune puppet show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would watch a Dune puppet show to be fair, but, yeah. but I would uh, watch a you puppet show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would watch a puppet show basically anything because yeah. like puppets are awesome. But uh, yeah, I mean, Dune is on the radar now, so it's going to get one of everything: a graphic novel, <laughs> a, a children's book, uh, all this stuff. Oh yeah, actually, it is getting a video game. It was announced, like a mass multiplayer game. Yeah, yeah. of course it is. And so yeah. is Avatar. It both avatars. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like, like Henry and I were talking about this just yesterday. Like, why? Like, there is so much creativity out there. Where do like? Why are we rehashing like the same intellectual property over and over and over again when there could be? like new things like all the time like people have ideas for these kinds of franchises all the time where do they go what happens to them do they just get lost in some producer's office all the time yes the answer to that is yes (laughs) yeah i mean unfortunately oh oh wait hold on we're cynical about things uh the (laughs) the answer for why uh we rehash star wars and star trek and blah 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 is money yes that's that's basically the answer but no, it is sad because it's like, um, you know, you you don't need to make you don't need to make a story about Ang to have a story about a kid in a fantasy world with magic powers. And I know that that's incredibly generic of a pitch, but it's like you don't need specifically airbending to do anything narratively. You can make any world you want. Sure, Avatar is great. I love Avatar, but it's like you don't really need any of that stuff. But People like the name Avatar The Last Airbender. People hear the name Avatar The Last Airbender and they go, that's a thing I like and I am willing to pay money for that. So that's why. That is so true. I guess there will be as many Death Stars blown up as there are movies that make money from Death Stars blowing up. 
Like it'll that's, just keep going. That's a good way to say it, actually. Is <laughs> literally as soon as like you you make the final Death Star explodes when you only make a penny from the <laughs> yes. where yeah. the final Death Star explodes because Once... the next movie will make like negative one penny and the producers will be like, nope, cut it. Okay. No more Death Stars exploding. <laughs> right. So, Most people yeah. want to stop paying for like to like watch genocide. Like all the people in the Death Star. If you think about it, that was just mass genocide. And then Starkiller yeah. Base was an entire planet, wasn't it? <laughs> it was an entire oh, planet, but to be fair, I'm pretty sure the first order base was just a like a small base and the rest of that planet was just snowy forest. <laughs> but still I hope so. Yeah. Because <laughs> the Death Star itself was probably had at least a million people, you would say? Yeah, yeah. The Death Star was definitely genocide. <laughs> <laughs> Both yeah. Death Stars. It's it is funny how in uh in a New Hope, there's one shot where the Death Star fires at Alderaan, and you're supposed to be like, and you see a massive explosion, and you're supposed to be like, oh no, think of all those people who died, and then like an hour later in the movie. A massive explosion happens, and you're supposed to go, "Yes, screw those guys." They all died. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, those people did blow up the other people, but still, it's funny how the movie expects you to have the opposite reactions to essentially the same event about yeah. an hour apart. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I never thought about it that way. Yeah, especially because some of them were probably just employees, like janitors in the Death Star. engineers not necessarily bad guys just like people doing their jobs (laughs) and i heard that when they made that original star wars they had to they meaning uh lucas's wife because she was the editor on that movie had to do a lot of work to like really make it look like the death star was about to blow up uh yavin where the rebel base was so that it to make it look like blowing up the death star was like the rebels last resort like they had to do that in order to survive oh well she definitely did a good job then yeah, I mean, with Williams's score and everything, it's like right. you're literally convinced that that thing's like four seconds from firing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So she definitely did a good job, but it is just I've I've always found it amusing ever since I've been like old enough to recognize that it's like wait, <laughs> both of those explosions killed so many people I know. ever since i've been old enough to recognize that i've been like hmm <laughs> why am i sad this time and rooting for it this other time but... yeah like watching it as a kid you're like bad guys good guys it makes sense it's very straightforward but i think the problem then with that is that you can only do that for so long because if you want to keep something if you want to keep just like propagating something like forever you have to then like dive into like characters you and, have like, to dig deeper but then the problem yeah. is digging deeper makes it feel different from what it's how it's supposed to feel yeah, yeah, yeah. and it doesn't feel as black and white anymore like this right. is like good and bad it's like well actually i like this person who's like on the dark side of the force or something i've <laughs> gone uh-huh. maverick the enemy yeah. we have to beat the enemy yeah. oh yeah the rogue state i love that yeah the rogue state guys okay. <laughs> i understand that they were being diplomatic and i were i i will i i approve of the decision because you don't want it to have there's too many countries that if you insert a name there yeah. you already have a movie that is needlessly raising global tensions mm-hmm. but it is great how it's just like i think canada is attacking us yeah 
I, but I it was know. really well done in Maverick, though, because every time you see the enemy, they're always wearing uh, their helmets. They, you basically feel like they're fighting stormtroopers, but it works really <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. That and, and the, the plot of the movie basically just is the Death Stars. <laughs> it is, yeah. it is. Yeah, I think that's why I ended up liking Maverick so much, because it is basically just Star Wars on Earth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He has a good point. They even have like a trench run. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, uh, father-son dynamic shit. Yeah. Yeah, was, yeah that is like... a that is a good point about like the if you if you take it if you take a story too long, you like end up inserting things that make it more like serious or realistic, which then like kind of ruins a lot of the if it was a thing that was kind of like childlike and full of like wonder and almost yeah, yeah. like a naive <laughs> perception of morality, it ends up like ruining that. Uh yeah. Which is yeah. something that I'm kind of curious about. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll vaguely keep it on. I'll cheat and with keeping it on topic. It makes me curious about these new Avatar things with Zuko and Aang. Because it's like, are we going to make the world more mature and serious? Because the thing that I always wonder about that is, it's like, okay, I understand that the world was more mature and serious. It is a world after all, and there are mature and serious things happening. But why did it seem so kid friendly? Yeah. <laughs> like five years ago. <laughs> like, why is it that Aang, when he's like 13 or whatever, is like, oh, it's just me bopping some firebenders on the head and Ooh. they fall down and everybody, it makes a whoop, 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 whoop noise and we're all good. And then, like, five years later in his life, it's like a dark and miserable. Yeah. <laughs> the Harry Potter movies and shit that have yep. that problem too. Yeah. That exact same problem that you're describing. And yeah. yeah. As much as I love Luna Lovegood, I find it very hard to believe that Luna Lovegood is running around talking about like sprockets and the toad mulch or whatever. And just right outdoor outside, Voldemort's like using the killing curse to murder people. Right, <laughs> it's right. like, do these people exist in the same world? Do they exist in the same postcode? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the play really took that whole problem and just put it on full display. Like, like Harry was supposed to be the protagonist, and then the play tries to like dig into. Like, oh, Harry has flaws too, but it it really like doesn't do that in a way that felt entertaining to watch. It was mostly just like, look how like your childhood like wizard that you grew up reading about and watching, he now hates his life and his family. Like, isn't yeah, that fun? You're, you're <laughs> talking about cursed child, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I heard that was bad. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I mean, I I definitely understand the whole idea is like as you grow up, you could become a little bit more weary of like how bad or like serious things can be in the world. But that's like one thing. But then it's like I don't know in the in the in the Harry Potter world, it's just like we're talking about a world with living chocolate frogs. Yeah. <laughs> Are you telling me that like? Lord Voldemort is out there wanting to like kill all mudbloods while people are eating bouncing chocolate. Fun. I don't know. Exactly. There's something, there's something deeply confusing about it when you view it in that context. <laughs> yeah, actually, I've never thought about it in my whole life because I started reading Harry Potter at such a young age that like I just kind of took everything J.K. Rowling said at face value. Mm. But now that you say that, why? 
why what was Voldemort's actual plan I don't think I've ever really thought about that before he was just I like mean, trying to kill all the humans I think he was trying to to uh, I haven't read Harry Potter in a long time he was either trying to genocide all mudbloods or trying to genocide all non-magic people I think both Interesting. you know and it's funny I don't remember so if that was the plan right and eventually there was going to be a war between magic the wizards and like humans was there ever a time where they had like a wizard fight like a, a human soldier with a gun? Because I always thought, I think the human will still win, even against magic with a gun. Okay, so <laughs> immediately my mind went to uh, uh, Top Gun Hogwarts, and it's an, <laughs> F-15, it's an F-15 chasing people on broomsticks. <laughs> yeah. Let's get this done. Let's get this made. You do make a good point, though. Like with semi-automatics and shit, we could fucking kill those wizards. I think we would win. I I mean, sorry, Jir and me is—it's just like stating things now. When you point the wand and you shoot the spell in the movies, you can see the spell, which means Mm. it is definitely slower than a bullet, which you can't see. So I think we would win. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That is a good fucking point. I think that Voldemort's plan was to like create like a I, I mean I I hate to I hate to invoke the name but I think he's basically wizard Hitler I think so yeah I yeah. think that was the point the um in attack on titan the the whole thing with the one character is that he wants to create like he wants to wipe out everyone who's not his same race and there's a meme that like was like going around uh, with like the guy that's like tapping his head. <laughs> He's like, you "Can't be racist if there's only one race." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that that's Voldemort. <laughs> yeah, I love that meme. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I yeah I think that that's Voldemort's plan, which just puts so many things in such a different context. Yeah, <laughs> especially in the first two books, like when you when you look at like Harry Potter during his first two years, and then you then you know out there like the ghost of Tom Riddle is plotting to genocide the population of the Earth. You're like, oh my, <laughs> Harry Potter's a fundamentally different universe than I thought. Yeah. You are right, though, that he's basically Hitler. If Hitler were alive to watch those movies, he'd be all into the bad guys. He'd be all like, oh, yes, superior race and stuff like that. We're going to be hearing Kanye West being like, yo, Voldemort did nothing wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, imagine the Twitter battles between Kanye West and J.K. Rowling. Oh, my God. Over Voldemort. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't they both banned from Twitter now at this point? Probably. Probably. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. oh my god yeah we were talking about that yesterday too like why did you all celebrities go insane yeah especially child celebrities yeah but makes it crazy n- none of the harry potter kids went nuts yeah they all turned out pretty decently yeah. yeah and hopefully these avatar kids turn out okay too though i did hear that the actor who plays loak he didn't participate in any of like the promotion for the movie because he like developed like very serious anxiety issues so like he doesn't like yeah so hopefully he's okay i mean at least it sounds like he was you know like not forced to do anything that he wasn't comfortable with so that's i guess an upside but Mm -hmm. 
he did a really good job that yeah day. yeah i hope he i hope he's okay and every he's like comes back and everything but if yeah. he if he's only 14 because he's playing a 14 year old if, he, if he's only 14 like i think sometimes we forget how young that is like that is he's a he's definitely still a child so like i don't know well when they were all cast the kids they were all like 13 14 but between the time they were cast and the time they actually started filming the movie there was a gap there partially due to covid so i think that's why when you see the actual movie it feels like they're really supposed to be like 16 or 17 even though the movie says they're like 13 14 yeah but of course by now it's been like a year or so since they finished filming it so they're even older now but they filmed movie three at the same time as this one so they'll be the same age in movie three but then in movie four they'll be a little older Gotcha. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's always impressive when you come across like talented child actors. Yeah. Yeah. I will never forget like Logan, uh, the little girl. She was amazing. Daphne Keen. Yeah, she's actually going to be in uh, uh, in one of the Star Wars shows now, uh, The Acolyte, uh, which takes place in the past. Yeah. She. I think she plays a Sith Lord or something. Actually, she's older now. Yeah, 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 she's not exactly. a kid anymore. Yeah, yeah. You guys know uh, Joey King, um, Kissing Booth girl. Um, uh, yeah, her. I, I, I think I know her. Yeah, she's like in more and more stuff now, and she's I think slowly becoming like more and more famous. And I was watching, I was rewatching an old episode of New Girl, that sitcom, and she played like a twelve-year-old. I was like, whoa. I think that's Joey King, and it was it was Joey King. So I guess a lot of people start really young. Yeah, yeah. Leonardo yeah, DiCaprio cool. started when he was a little kid. Hey, he's one who turned out okay. Yeah, yeah. he's We're, just in yachts with a bunch of uh, twenty five, no less than twenty five year old models. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Well, there's <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, yeah, he's okay. He's not a bad guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Tom? Sorry. Uh. I don't know. I think I was just going to to repeat my point about I've noticed like it, it's like child actors are very like hit or miss. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like people have I don't know. Maybe people are getting into acting at younger ages, but like I've watched so many things that have come out in the last, you know, maybe 5 years or so and the child actors are always just so amazing nowadays and like i watched something from the 90s and it's like very hit or miss it's like they're either very good or like oh no why did you cast yeah (laughs) that's true because if you look at dicaprio's movies when he was a kid in the early 90s he is very good but then you also have like like natalie portman also started as a child actor around that same time and quite frankly i think she was really bad (laughs) in the few (laughs) movies i've heard that i've seen from back then uh and then you also have that little Anakin kid from Phantom Menace, and he was terrible. <laughs> I don't want to be too hard on him because I know that that really effed up his life. But yeah, he just wasn't good. Well, uh, the fact that there are more good child actors now makes me a little nervous because I'm like, why are they so ta- like how much detached from reality? That's yeah. yeah, why are they so why why have they had so much training like all of these kids? I don't yeah. know. I'm a little nervous. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's there's definitely a part of me that looks at it and goes like, "Are we <laughs> like literally like <laughs> one year old going like you're gonna be a movie star?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's always uh, a little sketchy. Yeah, just I I wake up every day thankful that I don't live in LA. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it. It's not for me. 
for other people, great, have fun, but it's not my not my vibe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like a pretty funky town, and even now, people say it's like, oh, but it's great how it has eternal spring weather. Well, they just have like a typhoon's worth of rain. So yeah, now they and it's after years that. of having a drought. So it's yeah. like they either have not enough water or too much water. <laughs> so take that, LA. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was saying to Ken and Shalom yesterday, actually, that, um, you know, uh, New York it has a growing acting scene, and now Netflix is building a big studio in New Jersey. So it looks like they're starting to try to shift Hollywood back towards the East Coast. And I think I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I heard that. Back when Hollywood started, it started because of like Thomas Edison, right? He was the inventor guy. I'm always confusing his name with Jefferson. <laughs> um, he was the president. <laughs> yeah, okay, Edison <laughs> was the inventor, uh, inventing like the camp pioneering camera technology. But then the people, and he was living in New Jersey at the time, but then the people he was working with were like, let's get as geographically far away from this asshole as we possibly can. And that's why Hollywood ended up in California. Again, oh, that's pretty I, funny. I don't know if that's an urban myth or not, but I could have sworn that's what I heard. <laughs> but if Netflix's new studio in Jersey is successful, then maybe it'll probably bring Hollywood back to where it was originally meant to be. And then all the celebrity assholes will be here <laughs> on the East Coast. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> but I still won't move to LA. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, it might have been a combination of that and also like the California gold rush having something to do with it with Hollywood being I don't know. Yeah. Right? Timeline was and... because there's like a crazy nice weather there and the wealthy people wanted to go there. Could That's what that. I always assumed, but maybe it's because Thomas Edison was a jackass. I don't know. <laughs> it could be I all the, the guy, so could also yeah. be people moving out west because of like the dust bowl and that right? That's also like lines up with the timeline of when Hollywood kind of got going. I don't know. I'm. I need to brush up on my Hollywood history, I guess. But I think it was a combination of all those things. Yeah. <laughs> Am I the only one who I looked up Daphne Keene because we were talking about her? Am I the only one who sees like birth dates like 2005? And I go, that's not possible. They were. Yeah. Ma- no, they, that happens to me yeah, all the time. They yeah. weren't making people then. Yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I, I. I. I don't know. I, I like have only just started wrapping my head around the fact that there are like celebrities who are like born in 98 and 99 which is like a couple years after me right but when i see 2005 and you're like a successful actress in multiple like movies and tv shows i just go like that's not that's not how people work stop (laughs) i know right (laughs) yeah it's terrifying (laughs) i truly am old now Mm -hmm. (sighs) but we're not old we're wiser (laughs) <laughs> we're That's how you gotta look bad. at it. <laughs> yeah, but you know who hopefully will grow old? Jake Sully and his kids. <laughs> or maybe one of them died. I don't know. You, I, I got vibes that one of them might have died. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> oh no. no <laughs> I cannot <laughs> confirm or deny this. <laughs> oh yeah. So any, uh, any final thoughts on, uh, on Avatu? the way of water before i guess we uh drop off and stop talking about things that aren't even tangentially <laughs> related. yeah well this is a reflection of how it doesn't really have much of a cultural impact so <laughs> yeah we but, started talking about harry potter right exactly but uh no but it was good it, it, there was a nice little personal family story at the heart of it so and it 
had a lot of like nice old Hollywood spectacle to it. So it was good. Cool. Yeah. Any other any any final thoughts from uh Ken Shalom? My last thoughts are um whether you were a fan of the first one or not, or you're kinda like on the fence. I do think it is something that everyone will get something out of. Like everyone will enjoy it to some extent, even if it's not their favorite movie. Um, just the 3D, the CGI, the cinematography, and to a good extent the story, they are good. They are they are worth watching. And uh, while you can watch in theaters, I do recommend it watching it that way. Yeah. I, I would say like my last thought about Avatar is, is going to be if you're seeing it in IMAX, bring noise-canceling headphones. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, for the first maybe 20 minutes or half hour, I had my fingers, like, in my ears trying to... It was so loud. Um, it was, like, as loud, if not louder, than Tenet. And Tenet was just nuts. <laughs> like, Tenet <laughs> was incorrectly done. Um, but, yeah. Uh, it Yeah, so if you're seeing it in IMAX... It is a really cool experience, though, to see it in IMAX or 3D because it. Uh, I think a lot of times it's it can feel like just a gimmick, like you're just paying more for, like you're paying like fifty percent more for like five percent more enjoyment of your movie experience. But with um, Avatar, like because it's such a visual movie, you, um, yeah, you do get your your money's worth from it. Um, but if you were if you were to wear if I was to wear noise canceling headphones, I would have been able to hear the movie perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Well, before we sign off, I would just like to make a note that if you think Tenet was loud, wait for Christopher Nolan's next movie where he simulated a nuclear explosion <laughs> and go oh, see that in IMAX. My yeah. God. Henry told me that yesterday, and I literally said, that is the worst thing I've ever heard. I cannot <laughs> believe that was allowed to happen. That It makes me so angry. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. When Henry told me that, I, I remember my exact response. My response was, I can tell I'm getting older because I hear that, and I just shake my head and go, how wasteful and dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, if you asked, if you told me that 10 years ago, I would have been like, whoa what <laughs> like but now i'm just like i don't like christopher nolan yeah same here. <laughs> <laughs> but with that in mind i mean who knows maybe we'll have a cynical about nuclear weapons when oppenheimer comes out yeah um, oh boy. <laughs> but, but yeah, we're, with... we're gonna come up with the answer to like world peace yes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh i guess with all of this said I will definitely be checking out Avatar The Way of Water because it sounds like it's good and none of you have led me astray thus far. And I guess with that, I will say goodbye and thank you all to tuning in and listening and showing up. <laughs> Sayonara. Thank you. Awesome. Goodbye. <laughs>